You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. The world is seriously a better place because of people like Jana Webb. In addition to being the founder of a wildly popular strength-based yoga method for athletes, Jana is also a fighter, a resilient mom, an entrepreneur, and an unstoppable visionary who has pushed through numerous setbacks and challenges in her life. One of those setbacks was a life or death car accident that happened in the Dominican Republic, which left her body broken just a mere few days after after she had signed a million dollar lease for her first physical yoga studio in Toronto. It's hard to imagine how she could have possibly persevered through a broken back and a traumatic brain injury in order to continue to bring her dream fitness studio to life, but she did. What started as a curiosity and how she could bring yoga to athletes has turned into a journey beyond what she ever could have imagined. Simply following her inner voice when it felt confusing, confusing has brought her to a place today, building yoga as an online brand that is helping train athletes and certify instructors all over the world. To date, over 700 individuals have moved through yoga training. Actually, many of our visionary community members have as well. In this episode, Jana pulls the curtains back for us on how she was introduced to yoga in her early years as a form of rehab after her first car accident. She talks about how yoga, and particularly her method, yoga, saved saved her life after a car accident and why she was in the Dominican Republic to begin with. She talks about why she signed on to the cast of The Real Housewives in Toronto and what it was like to build a business from her hospital bed and the heartbreak of running out of money and closing her studio and so much more. You're going to love this episode with Jana Webb and I will return on the other side of our chat to recap three of my key takeaways. Be sure to connect with Jana. You can find her on Instagram at yogajana or yogaworld.com. I'd highly recommend checking out her yoga method, yoga. Uh, You're going to love the classes, especially if you are a fitness junkie like me. So enjoy this episode and I'll catch you on the other side. Jana, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I first came across yoga about seven years ago, actually, when I worked at a health food company called Vega as an experiential marketer. And most recently, I was sitting on an airplane going out to BC and I re-stumbled across you talking about yoga on this series called True Calling. And I thought, oh my gosh, like this is so cool to see what she's been up to since those days when I first was introduced to your brand. And in this short video, I watched as you showcased 
how far the Joga brand had come. Uh, it's now being taught to NHLers, NBAers, MLB, NFL, I could go on, Olympians. And then in the latter part of this little mini series that I watched, we saw as you got into a car accident in the Dominican Republic, which you described as a life or death moment. And really, um, I'm so excited to sit down with you today to just hear about what you've been up to in creating this amazing business. So welcome to the show. Thank you. What an awesome introduction. <laughs> and we're going to go deeper on all of that stuff. Okay. So for the listener who's like, well, what's Joga and what? Yeah, how did yeah. she recover from this? We will go deeper. So first, I thought you could take us back. Um, I know you were in a car accident growing up as well. And this kind of pushed you into your first rehab journey, which is actually where you first learned about yoga. And I think you didn't even know it was called yoga at the time. So can you take us back to that point in your life and just share like, what did you think about yoga when you were introduced to it at the time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was actually, well, I guess I was kind of growing up. It was my early 20s, but I already had a big career by then. And I'd actually, um, while I was working for, I guess it was Corona Canada at the time I was in, now that I've had a very life or death ac accident, I call this like a fender bender, but nonetheless, I had a bunch of soft tissue damage, etc., And I had to quit my job. And there's a little piece of the story that that's really interesting is while I was in this moment, um, like I couldn't work, I was lying on my couch every day and watching Oprah. And that was the time like Oprah was talking about aha moments, right? And I was like, well, this ain't mine, right? I was like lying here, doing, not being able to work, not being able to do anything. And I had, at that point, I'd run an advertising company. I had two offices in Canada. So by 21, I was running an office in Ottawa. I'd already run the Calgary office uh, and then quit that, got this job with Corona Canada and then got in this accident. And I was like, is this what I really want to be doing? You know, I was going to go play volleyball after high school, took the year off, which ended up being like four years off. And I, you know, and I had always wanted to, my best friend was a dancer growing up and she always came to school and she was always like so stoic and beautiful and hair done. And, you know, and I was always the jock with the ponytail sweats, like grew up with brothers on a, you know, on a working farm, you play sports, you, you know, and you work. Right. And, and so I was lying there and Oprah's talking about, you know, what like your passion is. And I was like, you know what? I always wanted to be a dancer and I could never be a dancer because I was always playing sports and I, and my hips are so tight. Like my, literally my pelvis, like my hips rotate internally. So if I were to be asked to do a turnout, like my feet would open up like this much, right? Which in dance is just not acceptable. Yeah. Long story short, my best friend had gone to the Randolph Academy here in Toronto and at that time she was living in Los Angeles. She'd graduated from school, had a career. And I was like, hey buddy, I was like, remember that school you went to like when we graduated from high school? I was like, I think I'm gonna audition. And she was like, oh buddy. She's like, this school is for like, like triple threat. Like you have to sing, you have to dance, you have to act. Like you can't do any of those things. And I was like, well, why can't I? Why can't I, you know? And anyway, so I ended up auditioning. They said, no, I auditioned again. And they finally let me in on the condition that I would do all these extra things like private dance classes, singing, et cetera. I'd went there with this injury from this car accident. And it was my singing teacher at the time who, when I was doing my vocal lesson, she started to notice this implication in my diaphragm from this shoulder injury. And she started to do all these stretches with me. And I was like, after all of my rehab that I had been doing, I was like, what is this? And she's like, yoga. And I was like, what's yoga? Like, this is a long time ago. This is like over 20, like two years ago. Wow. And, um, 
you know, every from every all my rehab protocols, this was like making me actually like heal. Mm -hmm. And so I just started to go to yoga classes. And at the time I was a student, right? So I was like, you know, like Groupon, like $20, like all the classes you can do in a week. And my introduction to yoga was one of like a love hate. I hated the physicality of it because my body, like once I went to a traditional, like hot yoga class, I hated it because I couldn't sit cross-legged, you know, I'm an athlete. So whatever the instructor was doing, by God, was I going to be doing what she was teaching me? And I was going to do the be better than the person beside me, Right. So I ended up like hurting myself, but kept going back because the breathing and the relaxation, like my mind and my emotional well being just improved. And so this was like my journey, like when I first got into yoga, and I have a marketing background. So I was like, why isn't there anything out there for bodies like mine? Right. That are tight, that don't really resonate with that traditional yoga practice. And then that, that's kind of where my yoga, you know, journey began. So when you first had that thought of why is there nothing out there for bodies like mine, was that kind of the light bulb moment where you're like, I could make this into a business or did it take many years after that before you really stepped into this is what I'm going to devote my life to? Like, I'm going to start something, start a movement around this. Yeah, not at that time, actually. It just was a thought. I just remember thinking, okay, so if this hot yoga doesn't work, maybe I'll try this yoga and this yoga. So I just kept going around and trying all these different, like Ashtanga yoga and Iyengar yoga and ended up, long story short, I graduated from school. I got a job hosting a TV show and ended up quitting that show to go to Japan. I don't know why I had this like idea that I wanted to go to Japan, packed up our life, moved to Japan, and my body was craving yoga. And so I found this English speaking yoga class in Japan and took a three hour train ride, got there. And the day I got there, this little lovely British lady opens the door this time. Like I hadn't spoke English for three months. I started to cry. I think when she said hello in English and, and she's like, Oh, our class has been canceled today because we're doing this certification. And I was like, well, what's the certification for? And she's like to teach yoga. I was like, hmm, what kind of yoga is it? And she's like, Ishta. And I was like, what's Ishta? And Ishta is twofold. It means individualized and it means the integrated science of Hatha, Tantra, and Ayurveda. So I signed up on the spot and spent $10,000. My husband at the time was like, are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, that first day, I just remember like the facilitator was delivering the information. We had these manuals and I was literally able to absorb it and regurgitate it on the spot. And I, for the first time in my life, I guess I was about 25 years old. Like I felt like I was at home. I was like, oh, I am meant to do this. It's yeah. mm. so cool. It sounds like you really didn't know why you went to Japan or why you ended up saying yes on the spot to this $10,000 yoga teacher training. But I think that's the epitome of somebody who's just following their inner voice and following those nudges that I truly believe we all get those pings that are like, hey, don't do this and instead go enroll in this course or you should go meet this person. And sometimes we ignore that voice and we're like, oh, you know what? I should just stay in my current job or I shouldn't explore this new opportunity. And we want to push those voices away because it we don't know where they're going to lead us. But it sounds like you just said, yes, okay, like sign me up for this training because there was something inside of you that said like, this is where you're supposed to be. Would you describe it as that? Or did you just have no idea? And, you know, what did you think at the time? 
Yeah, no. And I'm very much a person like when you say, oh, did you have this plan to create yoga? No, zero plan. No plan. Literally, my whole life has been about making decisions on like authentic yeah. feelings. Right. And really, you know, I had this executive job. I was making more money at 20 years old than I've probably made in my entire life. And I yeah. quit because I was like, I'm done, you okay. know, and then I did something else and I did something else. Like I always have this quest, I guess, for finding what was like whole to me mm-hmm. and, and I guess through that exploration, I just knew whatever I was doing, like at the TV show, people would be like, oh my God, you've got the dream job. You're yeah. traveling around the world, like it's all these different destinations. But in my belly, I was like, this isn't, this isn't inspiring me. Like talking to people and interviewing them at like five-star resorts, they were all like university kids. It was, it was like the Canadian version of Wild and it was fun and we had a great experience, but I knew that I, I needed more out of yeah. my like at the end of my day. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's that quest for wanting more for yeah. myself, right? And for what I envision my myself to be in this world. Yeah. So you get back from Japan, you get your teacher's training. Did you come back to Toronto and immediately start teaching your own practice or was were you modeling after the method that you had been taught by your teacher? What happened when you returned home? Yeah, so I actually went back to Calgary, which is my hometown, because okay. we were thinking of having children, et cetera. My family's there. And, you know, I was, I, you know, it's funny. I just told this story on Tuesday. I was so excited because I was the only ISHTA certified teacher in Canada. Wow. And there was a yoga studio right down the street from my house. And I thought that paired with my marketing experience, you know, and paired with like my ability to, you know, um, do guerrilla marketing. I was like, I'm going to, this is, I'm going to get a yoga teaching job. I'm going to kill it in Calgary with this certification that nobody else has. Anyways, I walked into this one yoga studio. I won't say the name of it, but the literally the owner looked me up and down and she's like, yeah, we'll call you. And I was like, oh my God, yoga people are mean. Like, yeah. they're not. And then I, and then there was auditions for, and I was like, what is this? And yeah. they made zero money. And I was like, <laughs> crazy. Right. And so, I kind of relied on my own like expertise to, to, you know, move past that and literally just put, went to all the community centers in my area, put like no social media back then, like put up a sign up sheet with my name and my phone number, $5 a session and just called it yoga with Jana. And I was teaching these Easter principles and, and just started to, you know, get a following. And then there was an ad in a paper for a yoga therapist. And I responded to it, had an interview and I got the job. And this was my first opportunity of real learning in terms of like kinesiology and physiology. Uh, and it was one of the first ever boutique kind of fitness centers. I mean, we see them everywhere now, but, and what I mean by that is um, an integrated approach, right? And so there's physio, chiro, nutritionist, uh, strength and conditioning, and I was the yoga therapist. So I got to work with a bunch of different people who had different backgrounds and uh, worked on a one-on-one situation, like with clients. And I will say that was where, like my internship, where I did all of my learning, because I would see yeah, clients from six in the morning till 6 p.m., like one after the other. And everybody came to me with something different. And I'm not a doctor and I'm not a physio. And I'd be like, what am I supposed to be doing with this person? Right. And so I would rely on my colleagues and ask questions, Google, take that information and apply it to my clients. And that's where I gained, you know, this, ex- this experience, this hands-on experience that no, um, I would say no letters can define for you. Like, you know what I mean? People always talk about like book smart and experiential smart. And I'm like, all mm-hmm. of everything I've learned has been by doing. 
right? Mm-hmm. And by educating myself. I am totally the same way as you. And I know a lot of our listeners uh, are that way too. Like they learn by experience and actually just saying yes to opportunities, even maybe before you felt ready, right? Like you said, you weren't the person with letters behind your name necessarily, but you had the... I guess it was just that inner drive to ask the right questions and to do your research and probably to meet clients that you're like, I don't know how to help you right now, but I'm going to figure it out. And I think that is such a um, key entrepreneurial trait is to be resourceful, right? We don't have all the answers. We learn as we go, but we have to be willing to actually do the work to figure things out on the fly sometimes. So I think that's probably served you very well in your entrepreneurial (laughs) journey. So you're, you're a yoga therapist at this clinic. Are you building your own method at this point? Like obviously with yoga, it is a unique type of yoga therapy or yoga. So at this point, are you honing your craft or what's happening in this time period? And then when do people like the Stampeders and all of these, you know, professional sports teams start calling you what's happening in that time period? Coming up, I continue my conversation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchased by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. This is the Visionary Life Podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into the conversation once again. So this time period with Innovative Fitness, I think I was just really coming into my own as a yoga teacher, teaching this modality, and then taking the information from the physios and from what I could see and feel in the human body and just adapting and then, you know, changing whatever I could to make it accessible for that body, right? Mm -hmm. One-on-one situation. And the owner of that studio used to play for the County Stampeders and he started to come see me and he's like, wow, I wish I'd had something like this while I was playing football because I probably would have had a longer career. I probably would have been able to recover faster, et cetera. And then coincidentally, at the same time, I was working at a yoga studio and the strength and conditioning coach of the Calgary Stampeders called that studio looking for a yoga teacher. And for some reason they asked me, probably because I had this athletic background, of course, again, I say yes. I'm like, sure. And I that that first day, those first few sessions, I just remember the players looking at me and I'm looking at them and it's just not it's not good, right? Like guys walk out because what I was trying to do was make all these football players yogis, right? I was trying to put them into positions that their big quads and their big shoulders and their tight hips and their tight hamstrings couldn't access, right? Yeah. And and they couldn't understand what I was telling them to do, like Virabhadrasana too, chakra. Like they're like 
what like what it's not even she, in their language not even their language and no. then again that was when I had that light bulb moment I was like who's doing this like who's bridging the gap between yoga and sport and nobody was so when you talk about the curation of yoga it was in that two years that I got to work with the the Stampeders. And at that point, I, I ended up buying a yoga studio in Calgary and they used to come there. I used to, you know, see them in many different locations, but it really became a conversation with the athlete. And it, it really became about me immersing myself in that sport. I knew nothing like, I knew nothing about football. My brothers played hockey. I played ringette and volleyball. So it was foreign to me. And it took me having conversations and asking the athletes like, Hey, if we do this, does this make you, you know, sleep better? Like, does this breathing exercise prep you mentally? Does this move feel good before you work out? And what I found, and then the second piece of that was observing. So I just watched football, like Friday night football. I'm like watching all of them move and the quarterback and the D-man is like, this is nothing in this sport is static, right? In yoga, it's about poses. And I was like, everything to do with sport is about movement. And there's a cadence of movement. So what I started to do is take these postures and manipulate them into movements that were cohesive to what I could see on the field in terms of biomechanics and paired that with the cadence of sport. Meaning, think about it in football or hockey, there's like skate, skate, skate. There's some sort of transition and there's a play. And this follows suits in every and pretty much all rotational sports. Mm -hmm. And so I started to do that. And then the second piece was the translation. I was like, these guys don't understand all of the Sanskrit. Yeah. And I started to pay attention to the words that their strength coach was using, that their skills and drills coach were using right words like agility proprioception recovery right words that made sense for them and then the last piece that took the longest and that I'm still working on because that's growth mindset is um, like programming like yoga classes are for yoga people right that are going to to yoga to get flexible to meditate like the purpose the end result is different mm -hmm. with sport it's about results right and everything that they're doing if an athlete is mandated by the league to be in the facility for four hours every second of that four hours is spoken for right by the strength by, by skills and drills coaches rehab etc and so if i get 20 minutes of that four hours what i do in that 20 minutes better be cohesive to everything else that's happening in the ecosystem of sport and that's the huge differential between yoga and yoga. We're not guessing, right? This is what we do. We train athletes, meaning we work within their ecosystem and augment our program. So it's cohesive to all of the protocols. Whereas yoga is just like, go to yoga class. They don't necessarily understand what's happening in that athlete at that time. Are they in season, off season? What's the periodization? Is it pregame? Is it postgame? Like, what are we looking for? Mm -hmm. Uh, I find this story so fascinating and I think our listeners will too, because so often with the conversations on this podcast, once we hear your backstory and we kind of see how yoga came to be, we can almost see that it's like a crux of everything that you've been doing in your lifetime up to this point. Like you said that you were an athlete and your brothers were an athlete. So you kind of had that pillar. You worked and spent much time in marketing, which has obviously served you in growing a brand. You got your yoga certifications, like this magical crux of all of the things that you've devoted your time to that it's almost like our journey in life is to kind of find where is that unique intersection that only we can fulfill a need, right? With your unique experience, you were able to tie it all together and be like, what's here? Like, 
what does all of this experience lead me to be able to create that nobody else can? So I think that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Take us then to that point when you decided to make yoga its own thing. When did that happen? Yeah, so that was in Calgary. And, you know, one of, and I forget the exact conversation, but it was around the fact of like, you should call this something, right? And okay. it, Jana Jocks and the name Joga came up. And, and, and then we're like, is it like Joga, Joga? Like, you know, it's Joga. And as a dude, I feel really good saying I do Joga, right? Yeah. And so from that day moving over, we, we just called it Joga. Um, again, with no expectations that like, you know, however many years later, we're talking right now, almost 18 years later, that I would be certifying the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world and have this like, you know, label behind me as an industry disruptor, right? I had no idea or intention of that. Really, my my drive and my passion was just to make athletes better physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, and spiritually. And this is rooted one from me growing up and being an athlete. And more importantly, observing what my brothers went through as they worked, you know, they both played semi-pro hockey and seeing the demands on them, both psychologically and physically from different coaches along the way. And I was like, you know, we have to, I have to give these, empower these athletes, not only to have tools to make them better and faster and all of those like kinetic um, mechanics, but I also need to give them tools to manage stress and to just have a better quality of life, right? And so when you're, when that's your core driver, right? All the rest just comes to you. And I don't, you know, people be like, oh, you're lucky. And I was like, no, I'm not lucky. Like my, the luck is what you create, right? And, and I think because I've always stayed true to what it is that I'm doing, that's why the business has grown very organically mm-hmm. and um, has been able to scale because it's got it's rooted in like authenticity and purpose. Yeah. And it's rooted in wanting to solve a problem that had not yet been addressed. And I can tell that you were following your curiosity here. It's like, why doesn't this exist? And how can I create something that is totally unique for Mm -hmm. this specific demographic of people? And Mm -hmm. I was just um, thinking, I was scrolling the yoga Instagram yesterday and I saw, and I would highly suggest everybody go look at this, but you actually show photos of athletes in action. And then when you swipe, the next photo is of the yoga pose that mimics that. And I find it so fascinating to see that you've really been able to create something that um, so perfectly addresses a need in the athletic world. So it's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, so at a certain point, you start getting more phone calls, right? I think next you got a job with the Toronto Argos. I'm assuming there were other requests on your time coming in and people started to really pick up on what yoga was and how it was meeting a need that hadn't been met yet. So at what point do you become so maxed out on time that you start to think about a yoga certification? Like how many years did it take for you to, you know, book your roster full and then to think of that next level? of your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a little step in between there that I'll talk about because yeah. it's important, I think, for people who are trying to build something to know, like, sometimes you do get lost, right? And there's decisions along the way. And during this time, so I had this success in Calgary, and then I got my old agent called me to audition for another 
TV show. Okay. And this time it was going to be an ABC show and it was going to involve me and my family moving down to like South America, big shiny paycheck. And, you know, as a yoga instructor at that time in Calgary, I felt like I was schlepping around the city, you know, creating all these opportunities corporate at my studio hustling, yeah. you know, for like $20 a session. Right. And it felt really hard. And yeah. so this opportunity, right painted this picture and I was like you know and I had a baby you know I had a baby somewhere in there and I was like oh I was like this seems like way easier yeah you know and so I got down to the final two and I actually thought that I was going to get the job so I packed my whole family and we moved out to Toronto only to learn that I didn't get this tv job wow I was like crap <laughs> made my husband at the time we're now divorced <laughs> quit his job <laughs> i have no jobs so we're now in toronto the most expensive city in canada with no income and all i had was this yoga idea back in calgary and so at i you know i went to jim barker who was the general manager of the argos at the time and i we had won a championship in calgary together and I brought a newspaper, I got a meeting with him and I brought like a newspaper clipping of when I worked with the stamps of me working with like Henry Burris and all the players, just in case he forgot me. And so when I went to the meeting with him, I actually showed him the newspaper article. And he's like, I, I remember it. you. <laughs> and so again, though, um, you know, and this is just a, a part of entrepreneurship that maybe comes natural for people and maybe not, but just relationships, right? Like I never... I take pride in, first of all, never forgetting, well, my brain injury now doesn't allow me to do this as well, but never forgetting or trying not to forget how doors were opened for me and really, you know, understanding relationship, right? And those touch points and staying in touch with people. So that introduction or that meeting with Jim was a warm one, right? Because, you know, I had kept that relationship healthy from Calgary. So Long story short, he gives me an opportunity um, in Toronto. We win a great cup. Like, I same thing. I'm doing this thing called yoga now with these athletes. The Toronto Star, I believe, does an article. And that's when the phone starts ringing, right? Because all these other coaches are like, hey, will you coach my team? Will you do this? Will you do that? And I got very busy. And I was working at these studios. And then a girl that I was actually teaching in the studio with, she's like, you know, Jenna, she's like, I've seen a bunch of yoga teachers like take their modality and create a curriculum and a certification. And I was like, again, not thinking about this, thinking about, you know, this worldwide certification that I have now. I was just like, that sounds cool. Like I can do that because yoga is a system, right? It's the same thing all of the time. So we could duplicate that and I could educate people on that because it's the exact same thing every time. So we made a manual where we transcribed all of my classes into like instructions. We did a photo shoot and we put together and copyrighted our first manual. And I had seven people sign up for that very first training. Wow. And again, just put a poster up <laughs> Hey, looking for yoga coaches. Like yeah. I think in handwriting, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, there was and, no master plan necessarily behind this. It was like, okay, we need help. We need yeah. other people. Let's just see who's going to raise their hand and say they're yeah. interested. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I love that you kind of share that chapter of your life where you considered going back to TV and kind of being offered that more stable career. Um, because it really does showcase that, 
in those early stages in that messy middle of entrepreneurship, oftentimes we face this like wavering belief. It's not that we are a hundred percent confident all of the time and right. it's okay to have those blips where you're like, you know what, maybe right now I'd feel better if I had a stable corporate job. I know for me, I did that. I started my business and then somebody offered me a really great marketing management job. So I was like, yeah, okay. So I actually took it and I ended up in this office downtown Toronto and four months in, I was like, oh no, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> but you know what? Like that was part of my journey. I wasn't ready to go all in on my own vision yet. And you know, it, it's okay to honor that. Like you don't have to be a hundred percent confident from day one. Sometimes you just need to ride the wave and see where it's going to take you. And for you, you know, it brought you to Toronto thinking you were going to get that TV job and then kind of left you hanging and thinking, okay, now what? And um, I love that you had maintained that relationship. I think you said his name was Jim Barker. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a huge fan of relationships too. I think a lot of the success uh, of people who have been on this show, it can always be attributed back to human relationships. It's not about having fancy Facebook ads all the time. It's not about, you know, talking about yourself all the time. It's who do you know and how do you show up and serve those people and, you know, get into their office and say, remember me? Like it's those little <laughs> things that we have to be doing uh, because when business comes down to it, it is about a human to human relationship. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool part of your journey. Mm -hmm. um, so what happens from there? Now I know you have 400 or more certified <laughs> yoga instructors. How did you end up going from seven to 400? Like, did things take off for you right away? Were more people finding out about it? What's happening in those years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we're over like 700 right now. Oh my goodness. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I mean, we don't, those aren't all seven, 700 aren't obviously certainly working and sort of, you know, haven't kept up the certification, but yeah, is how many people have actually personally certified. Incredible. Um, but again, I think it, it came down to, you know, this whole, like this whole story about that woman who looked me up and down and said, yeah, we'll call you. And I was like, I just, that never settled with me. I was like, yeah, here we are as yoga teachers. And in, in this case, you know, kind of giving our time to like make people better. And you're going to treat somebody who chooses to be in the space of healing like that. And that never sat well with me. And so yeah. I always wanted to empower people. And, you know, in this case, this curriculum and this certification gave me the opportunity to do that. One, I knew at that point, I mean, now I know so confidently that our program is so bulletproof that if you come and do our certification, like, and you just teach it as it is, like you will be successful. Like the, the body that you're working with, we've put all these measures and it's safety measures or mitigating risk into the program because we work with assets that are worth $25 million, right? I got hurt doing yoga. So our program is not going to hurt the body and our coaches will be successful teaching it. Like that's the work that's been done. Yeah. Um, but the second piece of that then is, okay, awesome. We've got this great product, right? Here's the great product, but not all of these people know those soft skills, right? Like how to sell, right? All of these different things that make, again, come naturally for some people don't for most people. Yeah. And so, you know, we created this um, part of our business called the Coach Academy, which is then the second piece, the second step of our ecosystem. So you get certified. And then you get into our academy, you're like, hey, here's like 
how you talk to a football strength and conditioning coach. Here's how you talk to an MBA general manager, you know, all of those like pitching skills to then marketing skills to then, you know, presentation skills. Like, you know, we layer, we have different, um, you know, meetings every month that we focus on different topics. So, and then the second part of that is like getting the job. And for me, what's most exciting is when one of my coaches, like, does something that is, you know, a game changer for them in their trajectory, right? Like whether it's yoga or not, right? But, you know, our platform definitely raises the bar for them because now all of a sudden they're introduced to a different network, a different level of person, which then can turn around and open a different door for them, right? And so Mm -hmm. that piece of empowerment, that piece for me is really exciting and you know, that's the part of the business that I'm most excited about right now is yeah. having these like, you know, these these uh, soldiers out there, these yoga soldiers that are just like the program did something for them. It inspired them. And now they have yeah. the ability to like build their business around it. That's so cool. And I think it's really unique that you offer that soft skills training. I mean, I've never taken a yoga teacher training, but a lot of my friends and colleagues have. And I think at the end of it, sometimes they wonder, like, what do I do with this now? And same Mm -hmm. thing, I teach the uh, business course at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And so these passionate nutritionists, they arrive at the end of their program. I take them through a very brief two-day business course, and then they're kind of left to it to figure out like how do I crusade this mission and without those soft skills of how to talk to people how to build relationships how to build a marketing strategy you can be so good at your craft like so good at teaching or so good at nutrition counseling but if you can't turn it into a successful career then unfortunately you can't do your craft anymore so it sounds like that might be something that really sets yoga teacher training apart Coming up, I continue my conversation. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Have you been feeling a bit lost, confused on your next steps, curious about what it would be like to start an online business and work for yourself? Well, the Visionary Method is a seven-step framework and accountability system that will help you to start making money and stop procrastinating the life you're here to live. We've helped hundreds of people just like you to make their first 50000 in their online business by packaging up the skill sets that they already have inside of them. So visit KelseyRidal.com and click on the work with me tab. If you want to learn more, we would love to get on a call with you and see if the visionary method is the right fit for you. Again, KelseyRidal.com. Just click the work with me tab and learn more about the visionary method. This is the visionary life podcast. Welcome back. Let's get into the conversation once again. Yeah, it does. And again, it came from my own experience, right? Of being this person that was so excited to do something. And then the wall went up and I was like, that's not cool. So how do we like break that wall down? Right. Mm -hmm. And then even, you know, one step further is we're working in an industry that's very competitive. We're working in the industry of like a pro sport and just sport in general. right? Right. And so it's not, it's a lot different than fitness. It's a lot different than yoga, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's a whole different space. So there's a lot of education that needs from both ends to be, um, taught from both the, the user point of view and both from our coach point of view. Yeah. Now I have to ask you, 
what do you think are some of the key marketing efforts or promotions in those kind of first few years that really got yoga out there to more people, whether it was attracting more instructors or just more participants or high level sports teams? Like what were you doing that was working really, really well? Mm-hmm. And I think like I always go back to the word leverage and I learned that very early on in my career and I break it down into three buckets. One was media, right? One was charity and one was sponsorship and partnerships. And so okay. because I had a media background, you know, I got on CBC, I got on breakfast television, you know, I went to all of these different Toronto outlets and, you know, showcase what I was doing knowing that that brings credibility and validity, right? Yes. And then the second piece is um, charity. And I learned this from actually, this is a great story, actually, because when I got to Toronto, right, I had this job with the Argos, but I was like, how do I get the Blue Jays and, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs? And so I always, this is funny, but like, I actually became a stalker. Like, I I literally like went to the Ritz Hotel because I was like, hey, all the teams come to the Ritz Hotel and my actually Innovator Fitness, which was the gym that I got my very first yoga therapy job, they opened up at the Ritz in Toronto here. So I used to go work out there and all of the teams that came in, they'd always have their you know, their label on their t-shirt. And I would just go like talk to them in the gym. I would sit in the lobby, wait for the team and just talk to whoever would listen to me and tell them about yoga, right? Yeah. One day I was sitting there and this guy in like a suit came over and I was like, oh, here we go. You know, downtown Toronto, this guy's for sure going to try to pick me up. And he's like, are you going for a run? Because I had my workout gear on. And I was like, actually, no, I'm just waiting for my car to be valeted up. And, but then I was like, it was the MLB, like, uh, playoffs. And so I was like, this guy works in baseball. Obviously I should be a little bit nicer. Yeah. And I started to have a conversation with him. As it turns out, that was Jose Bautista's agent who, <laughs> yeah. So that's like that, how that all unveiled. Right. And then uh, he ended up being my agent and brought me what? down to the Dominican. And this is, this will tie into the story later, like why and how I got to the Dominican Republic. But yeah, every year um, they would have a, a a charity tournament called the David Ortiz Celebrity Classic. And so he invited me to go down there and have Joga sponsor, you know, one of the holes while I was down there. And two things this taught me was one is that tournament, like A-list celebrities, like both Hollywood and, you know, athlete celebrities showed up. Like I remember A-Rod like showing up in in a helicopter and he, you know, and I was like, who's that? And and my agent was like, oh my God, you, you have no idea who anyone is. And I was like, I don't, I don't know baseball. Like A-Rod was there and like, you know, all these people that most baseball fans would be like, oh my God, I knew nothing. Um, anyways, I got to meet all these people from Hollywood and New York and, and because we were there for five days, you know, be, you become, you know, close. So I got yeah. phone numbers. And so every time later then I'd go to New York, I'd be like, hey, so-and-so, hey, 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 which then, you know, opened other doors, right? Because those people didn't get to where they're going without doing the exact same thing that I had to do, right? They had to hustle, work hard, network, connect. And the second thing that it taught me was just the, like the work of charity and how these charity tournaments, right? If you do the right ones, the people that come to these tournaments, right, are very resourceful, resourceful and could lend to my next point, which is about sponsorships and endorsement, right? Mm-hmm. Because I would go, but other sponsors would be sponsoring other holes and I would go talk to them and be like, hey, what are you guys doing? Maybe there's a way we can collaborate, right? Vega, right? Yeah. That's, you know, what happened with Vega. And so, and then my very first like official sponsorship 
was with Under Armour. Okay. Which again, I was like, I said yes because it it uh, aligned with what we were trying to do as a business, right? I wasn't going to go say yes to like a brand that wasn't in alignment, right? And mm-hmm. so Under Armour at that time, obviously they're you know sponsoring all these teams, etc. So yeah, so from a market, I mean, all of this is obviously you know I learned a lot of these things over the years. Of course, but, you know when I tra- when I coach people. I'm just like, you know, really think about leverage. Like think of all the different ways that you can leverage your network, right? Yeah. Media. It doesn't have to be like, like, you know, CTV. It could be social media, like whatever, right? Yes. Like start, start small, build yourself until those other opportunities present themselves. I love that. And so many good nuggets in there. The fact that, you know, we need to be applying multiple marketing efforts, right? You can't just be relying on one thing. But also it's, it reminds me of this analogy. It's like, imagine four boxes. And when you're locked inside of box number one, all you need to get to that next box, like that second level is for one person to open the door and then you get into level two or box number two. And while you're in box two, you're meeting people, you're meeting people, you're knocking on different doors. All you need is one person to open the door and you get into box three, right? So we never know who those key contacts are going to be and which relationships are going to get us into that next level level of our business. So really keeping that open mind and knowing that just sitting in your office, kind of twirling your thumbs and, you know, trying to connect with people online. Sometimes you just got to get out there and like meet people and like you did sit at the Ritz and meet whoever's walking in the door and just say, Hey, do you know who I am? Do you want to hear about what I do? You just don't know who they're going to be or what their connections are. Right. So that's that, brilliant. And that takes courage. So like, don't, don't like, it, 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 it does it happen naturally. Right. Like I had butterflies and yeah. there's this moment where you're like, you, again, it's going back to listening to that instinct in your belly where you're like, ah, that guy's got a New York Knicks thing on his thing with a basketball, like for sure he worked, you know what I mean? Is yep. in the NBA. And there's that, that moment where you have the opportunity. He's walking by to get up and to go say something, or he walks by, oh. you know, and it's an opportunity. <laughs> and it's scary. Like it's scary. Yeah. Right? And we've all been there, like watching an opportunity walk away from us. And we're like, don't do that again. <laughs> get up next time. Um, OK, so you mentioned Dominican Republic. So I know that in November 2016, you had the opportunity to go and train some athletes in the Dominican Republic. And this is when you found yourself in a pretty terrible car accident. Right. Um, you woke up in the hospital and I believe you had a broken back, a brain injury. So what happened and what were you thinking in those first few days as somebody who was a thriving entrepreneur building a business really in your business every single day like can you take us to that moment and just let us know how that impacted you yeah no i mean it was at the i mean the first the fr- and it's always like it's easier to talk about now but it's harder of to course. talk about because as i recover more i remember more you know yeah. and I just remember, well, first of all, it's just, I, I thought I wasn't alive and then I took a breath and I was alive. And so it was that whole, um, yeah, it was just like, and, and I was alive. And so, yeah. you know, and then, and then fear settles in, right. Cause then I, all I could think about was my son, to be honest, I was just like thinking, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, anything other than that at the moment. Yeah. And I was just like, how do I get home to my son? And like, it was scary. Yeah. Um, and then in all honesty, and this is kind of crazy. And my, my investor at the time reminds me of this story. He's like, Jana, he's like, 
I'm one of the first people that you called because <laughs> I had just, what happened was I had just finished filming Housewives, right? Mm-hmm. Signed a million dollar lease in Yorkville for a yoga house, strategically thinking that we would get a season two for the show, right? So again, I did it from a marketing perspective. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm like broken and can't move and just signed this million dollar lease. And I was like, what the, and so I called my investor and I was like, don't worry, like we'll figure it out. And he, he was probably like, are you alive? Like, don't even worry about it. But yes. like, just like how much my business was always top of mind for me. Absolutely. Um, and then once I, once I kind of settled in, like, I mean, it took a while for me to figure out how injured I was. Right. Cause I was just lying on a hospital bed with a brace on and couldn't move. And I didn't, I knew I wasn't paralyzed, but I just didn't know how bad I was hurt. Um, and it wasn't until, and then I, I was there for, I guess, I don't remember how many days, but four or five days in intensive care in Dominican Republic. Um, yeah. And it was scary. I just remember saying to everybody, Oh no, I'm coming home tomorrow. I'm coming home tomorrow. And meanwhile, the nurses and everybody's like, she's not leaving here. Like she's a broken back. Like you can't travel, right? Like nobody's going to take you on a flight. So then I called, um, or my, my best friend actually flew in from New York and she started to reach out to all my friends with private planes to like, hopefully get, send one down again. No, they couldn't even do it because of insurance. So nobody would take me on their plane because if I, they hit turbulence, I could become paralyzed right in the flight home and so finally I got an air ambulance back to Canada which again was like just in itself a scary experience right like you're in a third world country the nurses like it's hard to understand really my my injuries at this point um you know and I was building this yoga studio and I remember like sitting there in Dominican with my designer and he's taking videos and I was like yeah demolish that demolish that get rid of that like yeah can't shut off (laughs) no still still giving instructions like and then it wasn't until later that I understood how bad of a brain injury I had like the first consideration was just my body right and to be fair in Dominican they don't have the same concussion like testing that we do or brain you know they were just concerned about my body um and it wasn't until later that I realized like I was dizzy and I'd always fall over and I was puking all the time and had no memory and became very frustrated and angry and emotional. And so it wasn't until about two or three months later that I found out that I had this like grade four concussion and then later to find out I had a tear in my brain. Wow! And so it has been like a journey, like, holy man, you know, in that. And I, and I say this because I want people to know, like when it gets like, I lost everything, you know, I lost my business. I lost a relation, like a lot of things, a relationship. I lost, um, you know, my strength, I lost my ability to think and, you know, and really have worked so hard in the last four years just to get back to hopefully somewhere where I was before physically, mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find it interesting. I was browsing back through those moments uh, where you were pretty honestly sharing what was going on around the time of the accident. And mm-hmm you seem to have had this glass half full mentality. Like you're smiling in those early videos. And I think seven days after the accident, someone's filming you walking like on your kind of like, I don't know what they call it, a rocker where you're walking down the hallway and you have this big grin on your face. And like, have you always had this resilient, positive mindset? Were you doing that for your son? Were you doing that as, you know, just a way to kind of cover up what was going on? Or did you really believe things were going to get better and that you would pick up the pieces of your life again? 
Mm-hmm. Kind of all of the above. I for sure yeah. didn't think that I would be like sick for as long as I was. I was like, get me on that thing. I got to get moving. Yes. Like, I got shit to do, you know? Yeah. And the, the second thing was, it was my son. I remember him walking in to the hospital one day and um, I forget, we were trying to do something to stay positive and putting goals down or whatever. And yeah. he just walked in and like saw his mom for the first, like the first time he saw me like broken. And it was yeah. just like, this day, like, uh, just like that look on his face will forever be etched in my heart because I was like, I have got to show my son that I, mom is fine, you know, because he was a single mom at the time too. Right. And I'm his world. And so that I got him to take that video of me while I was like, Hey, and I said to the nurse, I was like, my son's coming tomorrow. I don't care what we have to do. I have to fake, fake, this and figure out how to show my son that I can walk. Yeah. And so we did like I put all of my weight on the walker and literally just like, you know, etched it along. I could barely yeah. put weight on my feet because it hurt my back so much. But and I was just like, you know what? It's uh, he's gonna see that I'm walking and everything's fine. And yeah. and then and then it was like and then that from that day moving forward, I didn't really stop walking. I mean I had to obviously take steps to get there. But yeah. Um yeah and I never really until like probably a year into it, I never, I never really understood how bad it was. I just kept going. I kept thinking, okay, today I got to do this. Like I got to do this. Like it's that survival, right? When you talk about resilience, I don't know if it's so much resilience. It's just survival. Like I Mm -hmm. just signed the space TV show, like mom single will still has to get to school. He's got to get a hockey, like life doesn't stop. And so I was still trying to manage life while going through all of these injuries. Right. Which I can Um, imagine is challenging because as this entrepreneurial type, you want to be go, 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 but I'm sure you weren't able to necessarily perform or have the output level that you once had. So it's like giving yourself grace maybe for the first time since you started yoga to say, I can't do all the things like I'm going to have to just be okay with whatever output I can get today and, Mm -hmm. you know, meet my son's needs and, you know, take care of myself and my rehab. And then of course, like maybe that didn't allow you as much energy to pour into yoga, but obviously you had to accept that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that didn't come for a a few years. Like I kept going and going and going like, and, and, and didn't tell anybody, like I went and did those red carpets and like, and I was like, come hell or high water, am I going to let this opportunity be taken from me? Because I did the housewife show strategically for marketing. Right. And so I had to create more opportunities, right? And so when there was all these opportunities to do events and red carpets and all these things, I showed up and then like literally would stay for like 10 to 15 minutes and then go home and barf my brains out. Wow. And no one would ever know that except for my boyfriend. Like, and really there's this whole, like, yeah, talk about faking it till you make it. Like for the last four years, I've just put this face on this brave face. Yeah. Because I, you know, we, I I didn't think that showing weakness, you know, I could show weakness. And, you know, it's not until this last year that I've actually started to talk about it and tell people Mm -hmm. like how, like what it really was. Yeah. Um, I didn't give myself that permission until very later on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a journey, you know, um, to be this transparent and to say like, this is what was actually going on in the moment. It's not as easy. Like I relate to that a lot because there have been so many moments where I've been maybe teaching a webinar or um, launching an online course and, you know, you're busy and you're hustling and you have a 12 hour day and then I'll close my laptop and I'll just start bawling and I'll run to my husband and, you know, maybe someone has said something rude or something didn't go as planned and Mm -hmm. I don't want to share that stuff, but there comes a time when you want to say, 
yeah, it is hard some days and, and to just be a bit more transparent. So um, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. And so at this time, you mentioned you had signed the lease for Joga House. Yeah. So you had your first dedicated physical space, right? Mm-hmm. Was that able to come to life or did you have to put that on pause? Yeah, I mean, it did, but it came very, like a year later, like very slow. I mean, we got the design done. We did a soft launch opening, I think. We were me- meant to open January of 2017. And then we opened, I think, June of 2000. But again, I could never really do what I wanted to do with it because my bot, like my physical body, right? And yeah. so, you know, it, it was beautiful and it was everything that I envisioned it to be in terms of aesthetic, but we just never got it off the ground. And, you know, my partners were in Seattle, my business partners that ended up investing in the company, Joga House and yep. my staff, like to no fault of theirs. Like, again, I couldn't run it. I'd lead a company. I couldn't really remember like what I had for breakfast, you know, yeah. and again, a lot of the the biggest symptom that I had and learned later to understand was this like, this, this confusion piece, which led to frustration, which led to anger. Yes. Right? And I, I was so frustrated every day because my threshold was so limited. Like I, yeah. I remember walking into the yoga, into the yoga house once. And I literally like walked into a pillar, like head on, like that's how, that's how dizzy, like my, I, I am and was yeah. to then sit down in a boardroom and try to like operate the company. It just, it was all bad. And I feel, you know, I have, I don't have any regrets because it is what it is, but I had these partners in Seattle that did everything everything they could. I had this staff that needed me to motivate them and teach them and I couldn't. And so we ended up closing the studio, um, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Had to, like we ran out of funds and, you know, the company that was, um, my business partner, they're like, we're not paying for this anymore. And so literally it went to like, I had, you know, a burn rate of 65, $75,000 a month. Wow. And I had to come up with on my own and we were able to sustain it for like two or three months. And then I said yeah. to the girls that were working for me, I'm like, we're done, you know, and just like yeah. day by day, it's just the business just like shut down. I had to let go of one person and then another yeah. person and then close my doors, yeah. write a big check to get out of this lease that I was in. And you know, yeah. so, so I felt like, you know, just a, like a year ago, I kind of like put my arm up and I was like, okay, we're rebuilding the brand. But prior yes. to that, I was defeated. You know, I'd lost so much money. Um, I feel like I lost a lot of respect from people that I had worked with for years to build that yeah. trust. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I was down in the dumps, like big time. Oh my goodness. And, you know, just talk about resilience to be here today and to be able to reflect on that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I've been loving listening to, I think there's a couple podcast series, but one is with the founder of LinkedIn and one is with Guy Raz, How I Built This. And they're mm-hmm. both doing resilience series to uh-huh. basically shine a spotlight on not just the glamorous sides of entrepreneurship, but to say like, this is what we've gone through, or this is what we're going through. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, but here's how we're pivoting. Here's how we're still pushing forward. And I think these stories are equally as important as the, you know, the really positive, happy, like it's only up from here stories. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I know the listeners like, it's just, it's refreshing to hear somebody who can share the highs and lows. Yeah. yeah so, you don't see on my Instagram, me like, you know, leaving the yoga house for the last time, like bawling my eyes out, you know, or yeah. all of the, you know, I'd like literally the blood, sweat and tears behind like everything good yeah. and bad. 
Totally. And again, like, I don't know why I don't show that on my Instagram. Like, I guess I'm not ready to, but yeah, uh, you know, you do though, when you all, when we are vulnerable like this. So I do have people reach out to me and they're like, thank you for just like being real, you know, yes. because it oh, yeah. identify with us so much more. Right. Mm-hmm. And in a world where people are putting on such images on social media, it is refreshing mm-hmm. to meet someone like you. So I do appreciate. Yeah. Uh, so where is yoga today? Can you tell us like, what are you working on today? What is the vision moving forward from here? Well, it's kind of ironic that COVID happened because prior to COVID, the December before COVID, I had been in Phoenix um, with our conference and I met this company called Verdeo and they're like, you know, we can take like video training and make it like virtual. And I was like, this is cool. Like, let's do that. Because then I don't maybe have to fly to New York every day and I could train my athletes from my home, right? And so we started to partner with them. They flew to Toronto. And then I was like, hey, could we put our curriculum on your platform and white label it? And so this was like a three-month kind of affair. Anyways, we did a soft launch in that December of this product. And then we did another one. And there was all these like technical problems. They were too new, et cetera. And then literally we were about to launch our first ever online training with this company and then COVID hit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is either like really coincidental or like I'm like psychic and and it was crazy. And yeah. we all we started to talk about how we could convert our in-person training to this online modality, right? Cool. And so our very first, you know, online training, we did not go with this other company but I had used Zoom in the past. And I was like, you know what? Let's just actually, the, I got the Zoom idea from one of our clients, our NHL clients. He, like, I was all bummed out that first, like, week of COVID. I was supposed to go on a speaking tour last year. Like, every single event that I'd ever been at, like, conference-wise, like, idea, all these big conferences, I finally got asked to speak at. Finally, <laughs> after all those years. And everything got canceled. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is my year. This is supposed to be like the year of Jana. Pity party, first week. And then the the devils called and they're like, hey, is there any way you can train our athletes on online? I was like, well, what are you guys using? He's like, well, I go to this yoga studio and they just use Zoom and you do this and you spotlight somebody. And so he helped me learn how to use this to train his athletes. And then I was like, well, why don't we just do this for a curriculum and make it the exact same thing as the in-person, but just online. And we did. And for that, that very first one last May, I think we had 75 people sign up for our first online training. Wow. But at this point, Kelsey, like the most people I'd ever had in one weekend was 20, like maximum, because in a space like that, in a live situation. Yeah, that's capacity. That's capacity. And so we had 75 people. And I was like, wow, I just certified more people than I usually do in an entire year in one training. And so then I was like, okay, how do we make this bet? You know, and so then today, like a year later, we're doing most of our training still with our athletes online. We've changed our, we've created our own platform for our coach academy. So our coaches can also train online. Right. And then we've, we're now working on an evergreen product for our certification. So that's next, right. Creating that sales funnel and hopefully launching in different countries and just getting a really soundproof uh, virtual our Uh, online product. That is so incredible. And you know what? I think people are loving this as much as we want to go back to more in-person trainings and workshops and, you know, seeing each other and hugging each other. It's also incredible that now you have a global audience. You don't have to travel Mm -hmm. around the world teaching in different cities. People can come get yoga certified anytime, anywhere. So I think to see that opportunity and to be following that is pretty inspirational. So 
So amazing. Um, If somebody wanted to become a yoga certified instructor, where would they go or who is it perfect for? Yeah. So yogaworld.com. And we used to have an application program, but now we're like, you know what? Just if you want to join, join. Yeah. We'll teach you everything. And then if you think at the end, this is something you want to do as a career to augment what you're doing, we'll help you do that. Cool. Um, and it, it used to, you know, we used to just uh, like look for, I guess, yoga instructors and Pilates because that was my background, right? Yeah. But throughout the years, it's really evolved. And most are, I would say a good like spread of who we actually recruit are physiotherapists, athletic therapists, sports chiropractors, massage therapists, nutritionists, yoga teachers, Pilates teachers, strength and conditioning coaches, pretty much anyone who's looking for this modality, right? To add or augment or bring another tool into their tool belt, right? So Mm -hmm. um, kind of depends on people's professions. Like we have a lot of coaches who are already set up, like they have businesses. So Mm -hmm. they're not going to do this as a business on its own, but it can help them, you know, retain clients, et cetera. Or we have the coaches who are in our coach academy who like, this is what they're doing. You know, they have an online profile. We built them a landing page and we help them market and promote. And so they're building their businesses from home, making like four to $5,000 a month teaching yoga from their home. Right. Cause our, our end users are so specific. Like we, we train athletes. So youth athletes, college athletes, you know, urban athletes, weekend warriors. So there's lots of, there's lots of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I always say to my students at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, like find something that's complementary to this, right? Like yoga, because that makes you almost like a triple threat in that acting and dance world. It's like, (laughs) you're not just a holistic nutritionist, you're a nutritionist and you're a yoga instructor. And imagine the magic you can create in a package that combines multiple expertises, right? So it's a differentiator and I think it's brilliant to add on. And we've just started to integrate nutrition into uh, into like while well, offering it to our coaches as well yeah. because again our the clients want more right and so the more that you can offer them the more well rounded you become mm-hmm. right it's again it just builds it builds your business and client retention like tenfold right mm-hmm. absolutely and for anyone who's still not convinced past podcast guest Connor Carrick he's a big fan of yoga yes. um, and so anyone who listened to that episode he is somebody who I think takes yoga classes and knows the method quite well and I know he's very diligent about his training so there's yeah. a, a someone who vouches for it Did you interview him? <laughs> yeah he was on oh. the show back in January we oh, got to hear oh. from him and it was an amazing conversation he's somebody who you know I'm always amazed at his level of dedication to his craft and it's very inspiring and then to make time for podcasting and you know to do yoga like on top of everything else he has going on so yeah yeah, we had a really cool conversation and people loved hearing how he performs at that level right yeah yeah he's a he's a good soul he's an old soul I was like if I if I was like him when I was 25 years old oh my goodness <laughs> yeah, I'm like the wisdom that came out of him and he's much younger than me, but like I could listen to him talk all day. I don't know mm-hmm. where he gets that from, but yeah, old soul is a great yeah. descriptor. So yeah. yeah. Okay, well, Jana, I could probably talk to you forever. There's so many pieces we didn't get to, but like what an awesome snapshot of your journey. I um highly suggest people go follow you as an individual, as a mom, as an entrepreneur on social media. Go check out Joga if any of the listeners are interested. So do you want to tell us where the best places to find you are? Yeah. So the website is yogaworld.com. My Instagram is yogajana and Instagram for yoga world is yoga underscore world. 
Perfect. We will plug all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here today. I wish you all of the best and hopefully we get to see each other in person sometime soon. Yeah. Thank you, Kelsey. You're welcome. Wow. What a conversation. I want to recap three things that I am taking away personally from this episode, and maybe some of them resonate with you. So the first one is that Jana teaches us the art of flexing our resiliency in the wake of traumatic events and not giving up through setbacks. It would have been easy for her to give up on her dreams, to allow her accident to consume her and to stop moving forward in the wake of setbacks, but she pushed through and never gave up on her purpose, which is very admirable. And having that bigger why is so important because whether small or big, we will all encounter some setbacks on our journey and that why can really root us in moving forward. The second thing I want to recap is the power of relationships. I talk about this all the time, but she was really a master of leveraging key relationships and keeping in touch with those who she met along the way, knowing that each person could play a role in the success of her business. This is something I preach inside of TVM or the visionary method that you can't just sit inside your office and hide behind a screen. You must be making new connections, meeting new people every day and expanding your network in creative ways in order to have a thriving business. And finally, sometimes we have no idea why little nudges hit us, but when we follow them, there's often a reason and a really big reason for it. Just like Jana had no idea why she said yes to a $10,000 yoga teacher training in Japan. We've all had those little pings that we often tend to ignore. And in Jana's case, she finally listened and followed that inner voice that said, go for it. The inner voice never lies. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jana and I will catch you next week. And until then, please take two minutes to rate and review the podcast. It means the world to us. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.